Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bride Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about life. We're going to slow it all down and talk about finding the meaning in the mundane, in the mundanity of life, and finding your inner peace in the storm of life. That's what this episode's all about. Lately, I've been going through a little bit of a spiritual crisis of sorts. Not really a crisis, just trying to find uh, my spiritual uh, happiness and heart in a world that is sometimes feeling, I don't know, just a little bit um, shallow, a little bit, um, I don't know, it's going off the rails and sometimes you're looking for substance, you're looking for spiritual nutrition and nurturement when you feel like the world is sort of getting a little unhinged. So I want to talk to you guys about some of the reading we've been doing, um, talking about uh, the sad guru. He's this guy from India. He uh, has wrote, written several books, but he is a yogi. He's a yoga master from India, and uh, he's developed quite a lot, big following. And uh, sometimes when uh, you can't find your heroes in life, you look towards the spiritual gurus. And so I want to talk to you about what... Uh, some of his advice is for people who are living in Western society, dealing with all the problems we have, and how we can go about a complete and total transformation in how we see the world and how we see ourselves in it. With the rising population and with the rising technologies, we are becoming a much more advanced society, and it can feel more dystopian if you're looking at it from the wrong angle. And so I want to talk about how do we process this life and whittle it down to its simplest terms so that we get as much energetic and spiritual satisfaction that we can. That's what this episode is all about. Thank you guys for being a friend. And if you want to pitch into the cause, please go over to my link tree. That's link tree forward slash chef Bright comedy. And let's begin. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Empathy Podcast. I am your host, Brian Russell of Chef Bright Comedy. And today, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to talk about life. We're going to slow things down and talk about life and all the various aspects to living in the modern world. We're going to talk about uh, mind, body, and soul. We're going to talk about uh, simply getting our uh, emotions under control and getting our life figured out and compartmentalizing life in such a way that uh, your emotions and your uh, body are working for you and not against you. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I think most of us are just falling apart at the seams and we're just looking for any old trick in the book to just sort of figure out how do we get all our emotions under control? How do we get life under control? There's so much out there that it's just easy to, you know, look at the bad stuff. Just, just, just the bad stuff. And we just, we kind of grow obsessive about it. We get triggered by everything in our culture nowadays constant political rifts and so at the end of the day we want to go and slow things down a little bit and talk about our emotions talk about soulfulness talk about how do we derive comfort and ease and uh just quality of life how do we get just how do we wring out all the extra juice of life and just get everything out that we can while we still can. That's what it's all about. So today, I've got my beautiful wife and co-host, Rebecca Russell. Please say hello to the folks. Hi. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> How you doing, babe? Pretty good, actually. So we were going to do a show on cryptids, and I still love cryptids. But whenever we tackle shows about the paranormal, whenever we tackle shows about being an empath, whenever we talk about cryptids uh, and anything spooky, we're coming from the soft belief point of view, but we are really trying to uncover in this world what is real and what is not real. You know, we're not... You know, because uh, a lot of people are like, well, when are you going to do this? When are you going to do the Menahui? When are you going to do that? You know, it's like, hey, it's all great. But um, I can't talk about the Menahui for a straight hour. So I have to take the Menahui and, 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 and compartmentalize it with other topics about uh, regional or ethnic uh, cryptids. And, and so we, were, we have episodes that we were going to do on humanoid cryptids because there's a whole bunch. But the, the further I dig, frankly, the more I start to realize that some of them are just not true. <laughs> the rake started on a 4chan channel in 2005. <laughs> and that's so unfortunate because I was really starting to believe that maybe there's something to this rake fella. And then the shy guy, you know, what is boiling down to, it's really hard nowadays to separate um, actual possible cryptids from uh superstition lore urban legends and creepypastas so so we're gonna do an episode about all that but today i wanted to kind of scrap that because i wasn't feeling sort of uh you know excited about it yet uh i am getting excited because the weather is cooling it's starting to feel like fall we're in uh, 70 degree weather instead of 90 degree weather finally Thank the the cosmos for that. Uh, but yeah, but today I really wanted to talk about life and spirituality and deriving something out of this life because it, you know, frankly, what it boils down to is I feel like the world now is just starting to feel fake in a lot of ways. And Definitely. there's a lot of po- uh, what I call toxic positivity where it's sugarcoating and whitewashing uh the general feeling of genuineness and realness in the world everybody's a hustler everybody's trying to get theirs and so where do you find the real people where do you find the real stuff uh the real thing as faith no more would say (laughs) this is the real thing no i'm not going always goes back to a song it always does it always does but um I just wanted to talk about uh, how do we sort of uh, distill life into its purest, most elemental form so that we really do feel like every day is not just a filler page, but, but, but it's, it's not just a read-through, as the Chili Peppers would say. This life is more than just a read-through, but it's actually something that you can enjoy and you get quality out of. Because at the end of the day, I mean, we're all sitting here just trying to stave off bad jobs and bad people. We're all just trying to find our spirituality, whether it be through religion or something else. And at the end of the day, I mean, we're really just trying to capture our innermost joy, are we not? Absolutely. You know what I mean? So, So the tentative title I have for today is Life, Slowing It All Down, Finding Meaning in the Mundane, and finding inner peace in the storm. That is life. 
Because, yeah, I love cryptids, and I love aliens, and I love, you know, spooky stuff. All that stuff is great, but um, we're, we're, you know, we'll probably be getting into a whole lot of that now that October is just one month away. Uh, but I kind of wanted to save that because at the end of the day, I mean, the whole reason I put this show on and started this was because I was feeling a, a life mundanity, the mediocrity that is everyday regular folk living. And... Um, I've always struggled with a little bit of what I call situational depression. I've always sort of had these little flailing attacks of anxiety that come out of nowhere. And I believe that's our conscience going, hey, buddy, you're getting to the end of your rope. You better start living your life. Yeah. You know. And so I wanted to kind of slow everything down and talk about what is life really? What is it that we can enjoy about life regardless of our finances, regardless of our mental health? How do we find good clarity, purpose, meaning, joy in life without anything in, in the world changing to make it better? I mean, we're sitting here waiting for politicians to get their thumb out of their butt so that we can pass meaningful legislation so that we can have a cleaner planet better uh, policies that help regular people, jobs, infrastructure, uh, ecological stuff. You know, we want to pass the Green New Deal, not because we're liberals, but because (coughs) I'm getting tired of smog, y'all. Yeah. You know. Wildfire smoke and... And how everything now has become politicized. You're not allowed to like anything without it having some left-leaning agenda or some right-leaning agenda. It's like, good grief. Maybe y'all need to maybe just pull back a little bit from politics. Now, I believe that, you know, we've got the uh, midterms coming up. Everybody's getting ramped up for the midterm elections. And uh, all I can say to that is, is um, if you can't tell something's wrong with the Republican Party today, uh, you're stupid. It just t- took a drink in my matcha and that almost came out my nose. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But I mean, and, and, and I don't say that to devalue or to make fun of conservatives. But if you can't tell anymore that your shit is toxic, you're sipping this Kool-Aid. You're like, "Ooh, that's a bitter blend. That's a bitter brew. You can't tell that Trumpism has completely toxified your party. Now they're trying to take away uh, women's rights. They're trying to take away all these things. Like, you guys, wake up. This is the rich people party. And uh, if unless you're rich, I mean, when I see African-American people that identify as Republicans, I'm like, you were either born in a gated community or you're stupid. I'm sorry. But look at them. They're trying to take away. And, and then they, they claim they're for black people. The yeah. blacks, as Trump would call them, the blacks. He's my, there's my blacks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're real, real progressive, real forward thinking. There. Yeah, yeah. Black people are going to have it way easier with Republicans than Democrats. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, really? Like I know. And so what it boils down to is we're all on this planet with the same tech, with the same information floating out there in the interwebs. We all have same access to the same shit, and yet we're all. Coming to different conclusions. Depends on what you choose to access with that. 
Right. Well, um, and the thing is, is I have, I'm the, you know, you, you know me. I am not trying to start a culture war between people's differences. We're trying to build bridges from those differences and learn about each other's differences. If you identify as conservative, great. Just kind of know where the line should be of decency and normalcy. When they go for these things that are supposed to help people and uh, and they can't tell that our rights are being slowly eroded, that they're trying to turn us into a theocracy, I mean, good grief. Like, maybe it's time to, like, I don't know, wise up, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think they do it because woke liberals are so fucking obnoxious and annoying that they just love pissing off liberals. It's like they're bread and butter. They love it. Yeah, and so how do we disarm that? You know, we disarm it by quit acting like a bunch of goofies. (laughs) I mean, seriously, how hard is it? You can care about left-leaning policies without becoming a goofy. And when you become weird and and extreme and and hateful and woke, uh, you are you're triggerable. And I've I've done an entire episode about how not to become triggered. But anyways, we're veering off course. I don't want to talk politics today. (laughs) I, I want to talk about life. I want to talk about living in this modern world. We have seen the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, rockabilly, disco, brunch. <laughs> I mean, we've seen it all. And um, and how can we, in our late 40s, feel youthful and young and happy? Uh, believe me, it's not accidental. You have to... Think the right thoughts, and because we're all inundated with the wrong thoughts, it's out there everywhere. And so I kind of want to go into that, you know, because I've been a chef, I've been a massage therapist, I've been an energy healer, I've been a EMT, and I've had a million jobs, and some were good, a lot of them were bad. And what I'm seeing anymore is that corporations and money and wealth is taking over the whole landscape, right? And so at the end of the day, how do we become activists? How do we promote the things we care about without becoming militant or obnoxious? You know, because at the end of the day, I mean, I think the woke left has the right idea, but the problem is, is that their net is too big. Any man with a deep voice, oh, toxic masculinity, (laughs) <laughs> Anybody who likes 80s movies and obnoxious muscle-bound action movies, oh, toxic masculinity. You know, at the end of the day, I think most people have the right idea, but the, unfortunately, we're becoming hateful of one another, and we're not allowing each other to be different. And so I welcome conservatives so long as it's not toxic, so long as you're not uh, repeating lies, so long as you have a philosophy that is sound, so long as you are a good person, it's like Jody, your friend Jody from work. I think she mm-hmm. does it right. She doesn't post a bunch of crazy Trump shit. No. She posts yeah, old timey, old fashioned, common sense, horse sense stuff. And that's stuff that liberals and conservatives nowadays can get behind and, and agree with. And there's a lot of overlap. Life is life. We're all breathing the same air, we're all working in the same jobs and we're all living on the same planet and and so you know how we come to such different philosophies of life i think boils down to 
being a reactionary or not. And we're going to talk about that later. We're going to go into a book that Rebecca and I are reading uh, that kind of goes into uh, a lot of philosophies that are helping me to see the difference between the external and internal self. And we'll talk about that. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. But babe, in your own words, do you want to tell the folks why we started this podcast? I mean, tell them, tell them about our depression. Tell them about our sensitivity. Tell them about our um, anxieties. Tell them about living a regular life of jobs. Come and go, come and go, come and go. And it feels like every other Thursday you're, you're starting all over. I mean, you've had your job for quite some time now, but I mean, but mentally and emotionally, it feels like we have to hit the reset button every seven days or every seven minutes, even. Yeah, it does. You know, and so how can we tell the younger folks that are listening right now, how can we offer hope in a world that's starting to feel more corporate, more soulless, more conniving, because everybody's trying to dupe us into shit. And so where do we find the good people? How do we, um, you know, just tell the folks our plight, if you would, in your own words. You kind of just did. Well, but- <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, know, in your words. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, we're getting, we're getting, we're middle-aged now. <laughs> we're middle-aged. Good um, grief. <laughs> and we've just been through a lot of shit. And so mm-hmm. it just kind of feels like even though we're still figuring it out, there are some things that we've gone through and learned along the way and well yeah after a we while help anyone it's yeah well after a while you just start seeing patterns that's yeah. what life is it's a series of patterns patterns with the job front patterns with certain types of people pattern pattern patterns once you can it's like the old sat test the reason why i was scored so high with my iq was because i'm good at detecting patterns ah i'm seeing a pattern here ah I'm, I'm getting where they're going with this, you know, and I, and that really reminds me of the last episode I was talking about, um, how I kind of gave it to my boss and, uh, I, I kind of said, well, I'm older than you. I'm smarter than you. I am not an ageist. It is not about age. It is not about, um, you know, making fun or hurting people that are not as smart as you, um, I don't get a big ego about being intelligent. It really should not be anything to, 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 to talk about. It's not a big deal. Like you grow more wise as you get older in this life. And I just wanted to say that the reason why I sometimes talk that way is not because I'm arrogant. It's that I learned that this world will discount you. It will discount you forevermore. Unless you stand up for yourself. And so you have to have enough ego to not be a jellyfish. You have to have the tensile strength not to snap and buckle under pressure. And so I've learned that bosses are just people. I've seen my boss staring at a package for 20 minutes, realizing, oh my God, he's an idiot. (laughs) Like he doesn't know anything more about this stuff than I do. What separates the winners from the losers, what separates the bosses from the underlings is an attitude of winning, is an attitude and an intellect of being meta, being a, understanding how life is organized. And, and, and so a lot of times the bosses aren't necessarily smarter than you, 
Sometimes they're just cooler than you. Meaning, they're meta enough to understand how the games work, how the game is being played. Well, and they're willing to and play it. Right, That's right. The main thing. And they're willing to put up with nonsense that a lot of people aren't. Right. And so when I talk about that, I'm simply talking about authority figures. People put way too much weight and gravity into authority figures to the point that um, it makes it feel like the society is ruled by authority figures and we just all kind of relent to it. We see a badge and we buckle. We see uh, uh, anybody with any uh, title and we just go, oh, that's our boss. That's our... Like, and, and my only point is is to not shit your pants every time you are faced with an authority figure. To stand up for yourself. Know your wealth. Excuse me. Know your worth. <laughs> know what's in, on the inside and don't get nervous and scared just because you are dealing with people with authority. That's all I'm trying to say because at the end of the day, I just see people like when I worked at Lowe's. The boss would come walking around and they would scatter like cockroaches. We'd be grouped up talking. It's 10 in the morning. We just got here. And it scattered like roaches. Like, and then and the boss would come up to me because I didn't scatter. Well, what are you doing? Same thing you were doing five minutes ago, fella. It's called orienting myself with the department. Yeah, that's one you know? thing I do appreciate <clears throat> about where I work is it's not like that. Like, yeah. The manager is just kind of, he eats his lunches in the break room. He's just kind of one of us, and he doesn't make us feel like... Yeah, some bosses, they, they act like they were shat from the gods, and yeah. that they came out they they came out some membrane from another universe, and we're all supposed to kiss their ass. I was driving a bus a long time ago. Uh, I was taking all these, uh, quote-unquote, supervisors and managers to a confidence training course, and... Uh, <laughs> they were pissing me off. They were acting so arrogant. And, and what I was like, so are you saying that I was driving, by the way, and we were on a cliff. And I was like, you know, I could just dump us all over this fucking cliff and none of y'all would be anything. How about that? And they're like, whoa. And by then we had already gotten to know each other. But I'm my point was is that you guys are all acting superior. You think you're the only one with a higher intellect to lead? Jesus Christ. And so sometimes leaders are not born. Leaders are um, trained into thinking that they're superior. Yeah. And, 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 and I, there's a lot of good bosses that can do it right. I think a good boss should be a moral leader. I think a good boss should be a motivator. They should want to empower you, the employee, to do better. That's what it's all about. And a good leader knows that. Yeah. And that's why my manager works. Yeah. Because he does do that. Absolutely, and that's why I, I give bosses shit, because at the end of the day, they're people, they pull up their pants the same way you and I do, they poop. You know, you, you'd you be surprised how fucked in the head some leaders are. I mean, we were watching King of the Hill and the principal of the school. Guy, he's a, he's a, he's a mess. He's an alcoholic. I mean, people are hiding some pretty nasty secrets, man. <laughs> yeah. And so all I'm saying is is that if you if you get nervous around bosses, don't. You would be, you know, when I was young, I really did think adults had it all together. And then one day I remember it just occurred to me, "Oh my god. Some people are not really adults. They're not as put together, well put together as I thought." Yeah, and and from that point on, yeah, from that point on, I just realized to relax, to always, always believe in yourself. Even if you're 
wrong sometimes, even if you have more to learn. At the end of the day, this life is a participation sport. We, we're not supposed to just observe. We're supposed to be a part of it and take agency over our life. And therefore, uh, you know, have a little fun with it, you know? And so I've always kind of given bosses a little bit of shit, not for any other reason, but to, to take them down a peg, get them back down on the ground where they belong. They tend to fly away with their power and authority. And so I was just like, eh. So I've just always been irreverent that way because I want to see regular people believe in themselves. And I want to see bosses lead through example, lead through positivity, lead through empowering their employer employees uh, to do want to do better. That's that's good leadership. Yeah. So really, babe, getting back to you, I want you to talk about depression, anxiety, growing up in this world, how all of these cultural norms shape us inadvertently. Tell the people, you know, how do we get, what's the, what's the instruction book for life? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, not all of it. You know what I mean. (laughs) Well, it's kind of interesting how depression changes as you get older. Yeah. I think a lot of mine back in the day was because I felt inferior because of all the, the magazines and the stuff pushing one image right. of how you should Body be image. and what you should be yeah. like. And that was a big part of it then. And then yeah. you get older and it's, you get more depressed because of life situations and finances and work and, yeah. and it's all just kind of a work in progress and you just have to be able to try to figure out what's <laughs> causing the depression, the anxiety, yeah. and just try to work on it piece by piece, little by little. And and why do you think the show is good for depressives, regular working people, empaths, the working class folk? Why is it that we took aim at these people specifically? What do you think we can offer them that, you know, that other podcasts or empaths probably couldn't? Well, that's what we focus on because that's what we are. Yeah. So it's talking about what we know and who we are. Right. Well, I look at the past. We are living in probably the most comfortable, easy life ever. And yet, the outcomes of happiness and joy and a robust, rich, internal life seems to be at a record low. And that's not just in America. I think that's in a lot of cultures. Uh, We are fighting off tyranny. We're fighting off unfairness. We're trying to lead a movement of fairness, of kindness, of hope. And um, I I feel like a lot of people nowadays sort of avoid their innermost turmoils rather than face them head on. And that's why I wanted to do a show and talk about the shit that most people are scared shitless to talk about. You know? Definitely. Well, I wanted to talk about, because we are talk we, we, Rebecca and I, so I started this audio book, and uh, it's called, it's a New York Times bestseller, Inner Engineering, A Yogi's Guide to Joy by Sad Guru. And he's got a name, but he goes by Sad Guru. Not because he's sad, because it's, it's spelled S-A-D-H-G-U-R-O. Yeah, exactly. That's his name. That's mm-hmm. his name, the Sad Guru. Yeah. Um, that's not his personal name, but that's what he goes by. And uh, it's not because he's sad. <laughs> he's probably the least sad person in the world. But he is a famous guy who grew up in India. He uh, became a yogi, which is uh, sort of like a, 
not the bear, <laughs> but he became a, a yoga master. Yoga, of course, you know, we've turned into a fitness thing, but a lot of people don't realize that yoga was derived in India, and yoga is a meditation and a sort of calisthenic practice yeah. where you achieve inner peace and joy and enlightenment, right? And so we're, we're listening to this audio book. I was going to read it, but it cost more, so I got the audio book. <laughs> And uh, it was free, and I was like, "Well, yeah." And then I, I was, I r- was listening to it on a run one day, and I was like, "Rebecca's got to hear this. This is good stuff." And what, if in your own words, hun? First, I want to finish up what we were talking about. But what do you think we can offer depressives, empaths that uh, a lot of people can't? Because I feel like a lot of people on podcasts now are just talking about movies and drinking beer and college humor and dad jokes. And while all that it has its place, what makes us uniquely special, do you think? I think a lot of people come at it as, I'm the expert, I'm going to fix you, here's how to do it. Yeah. And we're just kind of working through our shit on air with each other, yeah. with everyone, and hopefully Absol- other people can hear. Uh, yeah, I get us. tired of the pretense that everybody's got it all figured out. Yeah, because, you know, in real life, these people are suffering crippling mental health problems. Uh, there's there's an episode that we're going to do about um, empath narcissists that that sometimes being an empath opens you up to a self narcissistic ritual. And we'll go into that on that episode. But what it boils down to is that sensitivity begat sensitivity And sometimes when you're depressed, sometimes when you feel so much and you're so sensitive, you become sort of self-centered in a way and you become somewhat of a narcissist. And so it's always been my goal and objective to get out of my depression because it was turning me into a selfish person. I want to help others. I want to help others find shortcuts to their mental health so that they don't have to go through tens of years of healing and trauma and all this stuff. And maybe we could hopefully cut to the chase and distill what depression and anxiety is so we can arrive at a place of joy. And so getting back to this book, why don't you tell the folks sort of what the book is about? So it's basically it's how to live a, a rich inner life. Yeah. And separate the inner from the outer and react to things in a different way. Right, right. You know, what he's talking about is everything in life is external. When we see the things that going on in the world, everything, even if you were to touch me, I'm not sensing what you're sensing. Well, empathically sometimes I am. But what he's talking about is anything that acts upon us is external and that we have to learn to uh, understand that the path to happiness and enlightenment is not by constantly searching outward, but to search inward. He uses the analogy, uh, he asks the kid, hey, where's the temple? He's like, well, it's, if you go that in the direction you're going, it's 24,000 miles. He's like, oh, oh, but if you turn around and go the other way, it's four miles that way. Ah, okay. And so what he's getting at is that we all, in order to be happy, we have to learn to separate external, the external world from our internal world because how we react to the world is up to us. 
And so how do we not get triggered? How do we become more calm, more relaxed, more joyful in a world full of stimuli that act upon us? And what he's saying is, is that we have to learn how to take what we, because everything we look at in life, we're assigning value to. We're assigning blame. We're assigning good or bad to. And he's like, once you get out of the habit of assigning everything negative or positive, good or bad, filthy or pure, you can start opening up a world of nuance and you can start deciding how you react to the external world around you. Yeah, exactly. Frankly. Things aren't good or bad or, like you said, filthy or pure. They yeah. they just are. Just and are, how right. you react to them. Well, you know, he, yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I, I will be the first to admit that um, the older version of myself was constantly railing about what is wrong with society. Now, am I right? Even the sad guru said, you may be right, but dot, dot, dot. You know, that's I, I, I do that because it's I think it's therapeutic to talk about and identify what's wrong in our society, not to be hateful, not to be critical, not to be, because I think some people have grown too jaded, too cynical. I mean, it's like, good grief, it's just a movie, calm down, you know. We, we, we all like to think that we're the judge, jury, and executioner of all creative media, right? But it's like, no, we, we like to think that we're the arbiter of what is good and what is bad, but what he's saying is, is that once you sort of find a world of nuance, you will no longer interpret pain as negative. You will no longer interpret somebody's hostile actions of you as necessarily ruining your day. Once yeah. you start seeing and internalizing the external world a certain way, you can flip the script and how you internalize these things as stressors in your life. And uh, Rebecca and I don't have all the answers. I didn't want to come like a lot of people pretending like we've got it all figured out. I, I follow a lot of empaths. I follow this girl called the realized empath. And while I do share some of her work because I like her as a person, too many people nowadays are acting like coaches. They're acting like perfect people. They're acting like teachers and gurus. And he, the guru himself said, the word guru has gotten a bad name because there's a lot of people giving bad advice under the name of teacher or guru or guide. He's like, I am simply a guide. I am not here to solve your life. I am here to get you to understand how to train your mind mm -hmm. and your emotions so that you uh, reinterpret the world from a whole new point of view. Yeah, and the way he puts it, it's kind of like, this is what I've learned if it resonates with you, if you can learn something from it, okay. Great. If yeah. it's not for you, then okay. Yeah, and, you know, and the thing is, is like, um, you know, the path to enlightenment and wisdom is finding who you are. He says anything that isn't trained in you is inherently you. In other words, I'll go back to my basket full of kittens analogy. Some of us are just born a certain way naturally shy or naturally bold, naturally inquisitive, naturally uh, uh, angry, naturally grumpy, naturally kind. Um, but then 
we have this great ability to learn and grow and train our mind and train our lives in such a way where we don't necessarily have to act upon our first impulses that were innate and born into us. Uh, so anything that isn't trained in us is inherent and therefore is what we are naturally. But if those things aren't giving us positive outcomes in our life, we can use our training to override our natural predilections towards depression, towards anxiety, towards overreaction. We're becoming a reactionary society. So, babe, um, you looked up uh, the quote, because we didn't want to misquote, but uh, you looked up Sadhguru quote in the book Inner Engineering, and it talks about uh, uh, responsibility versus reaction. Go ahead and talk about that. Yeah. I couldn't find the exact quote, but I found what he talked about, okay. about each of the That's two. Fine. Yeah. And responsibility simply means your ability to respond. Right. If you decide I am responsible, you will have the ability to respond. If you decide I am not responsible, you will not have the ability to respond. It is as simple as that. All it requires is for you to realize that you're responsible for all that you are and all that you are not. All that may happen to you and all that may not happen to you. Yeah, and, and so what what I got from that is that I had we have to compartmentalize that which are our responsibilities <clears throat> and that which is not. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, what he's saying is is let go of all these things you think you're responsible for the external world, Mm -hmm. and be responsible for your own health, your own money-making endeavors. And even if it's not not something that is your responsibility in the usual way it's described, you can choose how to respond to it. Yeah, well, right. And so what it boils down to is what he's trying to say, essentially, is that we've become... A, a society that reacts to everything rather than responding to it. Yes, and what he says about that mm-hmm. is if, in you, if you are in a state of reaction, anyone or anything can take charge of your life. Conscious response is the way forward. Right, it's a psychic hijacking. And that's yeah. very, very common in our political discourse. It's very common, um, <clears throat> and that's what has created, essentially... The woke mob, if you will, is that they're all reactionaries reacting to things. Same with the Fox News audience who are constantly being outraged by what they hear and never challenging the credibility of what they're hearing. They still, to this day, get outraged by straw men arguments that a lot of times aren't even the case. And to allow your anger, because he talks about anger and he says anger and emotion will hijack your intellect, and he says, no good things can come out of anger. Now, Mm -hmm. I'd like to preface that with, not always, anger can allow you to uh, get the inner toughness to to work out more. Yeah. Say you're getting tired of being fat, you're getting tired of being old, you get angry, darn it, you get angry. But then that anger has to turn into action. Exactly. And I think as humans... Mm -hmm. Right off the bat, you are reactionary. You react to things. But what he's mm-hmm. saying is then stop for a second and 
realize that you can respond to it in an intellectual kind of way. Yeah. You don't have to react to something straight off the bat. Realize what's making you feel that way, how you can respond to it. Right. And it's it's a choice. Right, right. And and that's just it is we like to think that we're bombarded by this terrible world of terrible people. And yes, there are, there are a lot of rude motherfuckers out there. I mean, there's a lot of rudeness, there's a lot of unkindness, and there's a lot of what I call uh, soullessness. Just people with agendas, people with ulterior motives, people that just don't want to be your friend. They want to use you, take advantage of you, um, whether it be companies or corporations, whether it be small businesses, whether it be just some little startup business that's pretending to be your friend. You know, that's the one thing I wanted this show to be is... You know, do I say, hey, go on to Patreon, hey, go, go to my tip jar on Cash App and Venmo and all that? Yes, I do. But I try not to beat a dead horse with that because at the end of the day, this is a personal uh, spiritual service I do, not for money, but for joy. I do it for therapeutic reasons, but I also do it because I wanted to take what I know, what I've learned about being older and turn it into a resource for younger people or people struggling with mental health problems who are just looking for um, conversational horse sense that makes sense in the real world. Yeah, it always helps to know that, and I know I've said this before, but it helps to know that other people are dealing with what you're dealing with. Yeah, it exactly. makes you feel not quite as alone or Yeah, and lost. I, think, I think a lot of people hear my brashness on here and they assume that, that I don't have a sensitive side. Oh, no. Contraire, mon frere. I have a very sensitive side. And that sensitivity can be emotional sensitivity. It can also be energetic sensitivity, where I just go dark a lot. I'm a very sensitive person. Um, but I've had to learn inner toughness and inner tenacity. Because at the end of the day, if we always give in to our, like I said, those natural predilections, uh it will derail our progress, and you have to learn your vo- your value despite your predilections for negative self-talk, or your despite your predilections towards depressive thoughts or something. You know, um, do I beat myself up still sometimes? Yes, but only so that I can improve myself. I don't allow it to, you know, take away my sense of value or worth. And so I, I'm trying to get people like me, sensitives, depressives, to sort of come out of their shell and realize that this world doesn't have to be lived by the cover of Glamour magazine. It can be anything you want it to be. You know, that's the beautiful thing about life is when participating in this life, you get to choose whether you want to go into the deep end or you want to just go hang out in the shallow end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I used to be Mr. Deep End, but now, you know, I'm getting older I don't participate in politics as much. I don't participate in all the infighting and arguing in the world. I don't get involved in all the he said, she said drama. uh, Because frankly, uh, my body and my physiology can't take all that nonsense anymore. It becomes toxic. It becomes just, it doesn't, it's not constructive to uh, having a happy life, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you just got to slow everything down. Slow down life, and uh, and that's another thing he talks about in the book is uh, when he was younger, <clears throat> he said he was a very restless child, and uh, he didn't like organized school because he felt like 
the teachers weren't invested in what they were teaching. And so he could, he could tell that the teachers were just bullshitting, that they didn't care. And they're teaching a lot of things that society thinks you ought to know. But a lot of times what you're learning is either whitewashed, the winner's right history, or it's not going to serve real living. I always wondered why we get so, so concerned about subjects like English, history, etc. You know, I love school and I love scholasticness, but but sometimes I feel like um, they're teaching us the most generic, boring version of reality. And so when you get a good teacher, it really makes a difference because uh, not only are they teaching you in a fun and pleasant way, but also um, they're getting you to understand that history and English and all these subjects can be fun and exciting when put in the proper context, you know. Oh, absolutely. I have, I still to this day mm-hmm. remember my seventh grade English teacher, Mr. Handy. Mm-hmm. He was just so passionate and got so excited about things yeah. that it made history fun because it, he made it relatable. Like it was a, yeah. a real life thing. These were real people. This is what actually happened to them. <laughs> I got a story for you. <laughs> so I, I was in junior college at the time and I was earning my associates and I had to take a history class because you need history. And the only class I could find was a 7.30 a.m. class. Ugh. And I Those am not, you guys know, I am not a morning person. I had to get used to it in the Army, but every other part time of my life, I've always been somewhat of a night owl. Now, so I'm like, okay, you know, so I, I went to this class, and I, I went for a couple of weeks. It was, I think, three days a week. I remember one day sitting here, and this motherfucker is droning on about dates, with no liveliness, no excitement. And he's talking about, yeah. like, uh, he was talking about uh, Alexander the Great and how he took over, um, you know, uh, uh, the Middle East, essentially, and, and, and parts of Eurasia, right? And I was like, I, I, I got up. I, was, I, I had made up my mind, I can't do this anymore. And I got up, and I was getting ready to leave, and I was trying to be quiet about it, and the teacher stops and goes, hey, where are you going? I go, sir, no offense, but this is fucking crazy dull. I said, this is, should be the most exciting thing about my day, and you are putting me to sleep. Sorry, no offense, I got to fucking go. <laughs> and people started laughing, right? And um, you could tell that the class was on my side. They're like, yeah, no shit. Because he made such a wonderfully interesting subject boring as hell and i did i walked right out of the office i went straight into the uh, administration office and i got that class out of there and then i didn't have to show up to class till 10 o'clock and it made my life easier and and so that's the thing is we always think that we have these responsibilities that we don't really have um responsibilities towards others responsibilities to be all these things when you put yourself on too high of a of a pedestal you think you have to take on the world's problems and so what the sad guru is saying is learn to separate your the external world from your internal world and how we can compartmentalize our internal life from our external life and uh, really at the end of the day finding out what are we really responsible for and what are we being cajoled by what are we're becoming reactive to everything even if it doesn't concern us and you see an entire society 
that that all have all become uh, critics, cynics, and and jaded. Uh, you know, talking ill about every movie, uh, talking ill about every app, talking ill about everything as if they're so fucking perfect. We're talking about people that can barely, some of them tie their fucking shoelaces, but they're going to be a critic to some movie or app that took millions of people, millions of dollars and all this teamwork. And you're going to go, eh, like this is amazing shit. You guys, the fact that we could become so wholly unimpressed by our technologies. Oh my God. Well, and that's being reactionary to something. <laughs> right, Instead right. of stopping and thinking about mm-hmm. what it is. Think about the deeper work and commitment and con- the deeper connotation to what our technologies offer. We, I mean, I'm sitting in my bedroom broadcasting to the whole world. <laughs> if I thought too hard on that, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> so I have written here, um, talk about the hardships of your life, the things we've lived through. Um, I I say I have written here all our sad stories, 9-11, death of pets and loved ones, the ever-shifting changes in our culture and times. We have seen and lived through a million different configurations of life. We've been young people, we've been older people, and we've been through 9-11. That was crazy. I I can still remember it like it was yesterday, and I don't really want to go into all that. My point is is that um, we all have these sad stories to tell. We all have these anxieties that crop up as a result of grief and trauma and inner and outer torment. And so how do we, you know, as regular folks having to work regular lives, I get so fucking jealous sometimes where I don't mean to, but I get jealous of like voice actors who are doing well. I get Jealous of, like, I have two people on my Facebook who are buying their second and third homes based on money they inherited from some, some relative that died. And while that's tragic, and I, I, I don't begrudge them the home, like, but I'm so jealous of people who have the opportunities in life that some people just don't have. Yeah. You know, and, and it feels like a lot of my California friends are living this lifestyle um, it's like, will you just sit down and read a book? G- good grief. It's, it feels like it's the go, go, go life. And I don't mean to pick on anyone because they're good people. Some of them have raised families. Some of them have adult children now. They're nice people. They really are. But I feel like we're living in a society of go, go, go because nobody wants to stop and let our true feelings Catch up to us, essentially. Yeah, a and, lot of people. You know what you know what I'm saying, and it feels like everybody's trying to live this sunny, extroverted life. And I feel like maybe, you know, like I have I've said for years that a lot of people don't like smoking pot because it slows down their mind and it makes people um, think about all those impending thoughts that when they're sober they can drive away. And then they have to look in the mirror of all their inner demons that are actually plaguing them. Because that's what weed does. And and for me, marijuana always slowed things down to where I could really address what I'm feeling and battle those demons and then come out the other side feeling like that you did some some energy work, some mental work. You've been become mindful of what scares you. You've become mindful of what annoys you. You've become mindful of your jealousies and and then you can learn from it because 
I don't think being jealous is necessarily a bad thing. It's how you react to those jealousies. Now, if I were to go on Facebook and talk all this trash to them that they don't deserve, yeah, then I would be in the wrong. I'm not saying that they're bad people. What I'm saying is it's easy to look out there and see all these haves, all these people with these lives that a lot of them, frankly, got lucky. They got lucky. They have parents and families that afforded them the lifestyle that they now get to enjoy forevermore. And some of us just aren't didn't grow up that lucky. Yeah. You know? Yep. I mean, I am the uh, heir to the Timex Corporation, and I didn't get a red cent. I could sit here bitter about it, wondering when my ship is going to come in, but no, you spent your whole life like my dad did, waiting, waiting, waiting around for your ship to come in. You are going to be waiting forevermore because there ain't nothing there that's going to come. You've got to create it. And there is unfairness in life. There is injustice in life. What would be your advice, do you think, For people that are just dealing with jealousy, dealing with just this feeling of unfairness. You know, I remember that Joe Rogan has this thing where he's like, well, people need to stop bitching about their problems and start doing something, says the rich guy that became the luckiest motherfucker in the world. He acts retroactively like he did all that and it was all planned. Like just, if he was a little more like, yeah, I got lucky. I got in the right place at the right time. I'm not saying he didn't do something to earn it. He was the one that did it. But, I mean, being a handsome actor and then turning into a UFC guy, it all sort of wrote itself. And I think he's forgetting that his inherent masculinity, his inherent looks, and his muscularity really is what got him there. I don't think he would have been there had he not just been in the right place at the right time, feeling a vacuum of need that was there at the moment. Yeah, definitely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if he was just a little more humble about it and just said, yeah, yeah, you know, I worked hard, but um, working hard doesn't always bear fruit. I mean, that's the unfortunate unfairness of life. And so what what do you think uh, separates the winners from the losers when it comes to achievement in a world where... I don't think these celebrities are any more well-rounded or worldly than us in terms of business and finances and taxes and opportunities. Uh, what, what do you think separates the haves from the have-nots in terms of gaining uh, a familiarity with uh, opportunity and success? I think, like you said, a lot of it is just it's luck. Mm-hmm. And your circumstances, what you're born into. Yeah, and I'm not bitter about it. How you, know. you fall into jobs and opportunities. Sometimes and people just get lucky with the yeah. right jobs or and the I right think career. That's a lot the right, of it for a lot of people. My friend's a chiropractor and he's making good money because he chose a life that he knew would make money. He didn't go into it because he loves people to death. I don't even think he likes people at all, but he yeah. does it. Mm-hmm. And it just feels to me like a lot of the world now is becoming. The land of hustlers and opportunists. And, and, and so I, I have become spiritually malaise to the point where I don't know where to sink my trust. I don't, I have trust paralysis and I'm having life paralysis because you go on all these ads on Instagram. You, you, you do research on voice work. You, you're looking for all these opportunities to show themselves and you find just millions of opportunists and people with uh, their own self-worth in mind, their own business in mind, that are just looking to take advantage of little old you. 
So where do we find the real genuine people and the real genuine opportunities in a land full of just capitalists and hustlers and opportunists? That's the hard part. It really is. through a lot of shit. Well, and that's why as an empath, I just sense things. That's what I was going to say. A lot of it's just you. Trust your gut. You just took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) We don't need you. I'm going to take over this whole show. No, kidding. (laughs) Yeah, you had something to say about it. You know, choosing how your experiences shape you going forward. We tend to assign negative or positive terms to everything. Uh, Sometimes our Judeo-Christian upbringing makes us automatically ridicule things that we really haven't vetted fully. And so I think we're just living, um, you know, this society where there's a lot of horrible things and horrible people. And so we're getting what I call negativity overload and negativity bias. And at the end of the day, maybe we need to reassess what is bad and good in our culture. And furthermore, is it really affecting us? When you look at like conservatives angry that, Women have rights. <laughs> Sorry that black folks have rights. That, that um, you know, they're all upset that gay people exist and trans people exist. Oh, my fucking God. Get used to it. It's not affecting you in the least. And that is a classic, classic uh, example of be a reactionary. Re- leave, leaving, living a reactive life. And uh, you had something to say about that. Well, I wanted to talk about the story that he related in relation to this type of stuff. Um, he was talking about a woman who, during the Holocaust, their parents got separated. They got her parents got taken away. Yeah, she and her brother were taken away on these trains to these concentration camps. And before the boys got separated from the girls, the last thing she said to her brother was she was yelling at him because he didn't have his shoes with him. Yeah, come to you know at the end of the whole war and everything, she, she regretted saying out, it because. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm just saying she regretted well, it. Well, I'm yeah. saying come to find out at the end that she's the only one left. Her brother's gone. Everyone's gone. And the last thing she said to him was angry words. Right. She could have, her whole life could have chosen to focus on that and been depressed her whole life and let that shape everything that she did. But right. instead, she realized that was part of her, part of her past. It helped her learn and grow, but she didn't focus on that and make that what her whole life was about. Well, I have a story about that, too. Um, In 2006, I was working at a hotel as a night auditor. I was having a lot of um, panic attacks and anxiety. Um, uh, Come to find out, I found out a lot of it was because I was allergic to aspartame, and I was drinking diet soda. And then to battle the... um, aspartame effects they were giving me a nervosa anxiety and panic attacks uh i was taking benzodiazepines uh, xanax uh to cope with it and between the um xanax and the um the uh aspartame i couldn't tell right from left up from down i was just going all over and um at the time my grandfather uh, was living with my mom. He finally sold his mobile home. My grandma had died up in Reading, and then he moved down with us, and then he moved in with my mom. Uh, and, um, and 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 I I was very curt with him in his last remaining years because he was at a point where he was retired. He'd gone through the death of his, you know, wife, our, my grandma, my someone I care deeply, deeply about. I, it took me a long time to get over that death. 
I became, you know, I got, I drank too much in my twenties because of her death. And, um, and he really was just, he just lived for food and TV and hanging out. And he was a really chill dude, but he also, he, he was a, he, he was the Mr. No drama, nothing got to him kind of guy. And while I've sort of, um, painted him with rose colored glasses and retrospect, um, it annoyed me in the moment that he didn't know how to, um, Talk about anything real of substance. He didn't let anything get to him. And I felt like he was avo- avoidant. He was avoidant because of his the time period that he grew up in during the Depression, World War II. He'd been through so many things, and none of it phased him. And while I look at it now as probably a good thing, at the time I was becoming sort of um, uh, upset with him. He was getting on my nerves because I was having panic attacks and anxiety and depression and all these crippling things. And... Um, before I got it under control, because I found out that the aspartame was causing these problems, I stopped drinking uh, diet soda, uh, and then I got off benzodiazepines forever, never have touched one since. Um, I got the zaps for a couple weeks, but I never had a panic attack again. I get anxiety still, but I, it was a time in my life where I felt like everything was co- just tragically, just my life was caving in. And I was very curt with my grandfather in the end. And I I guess I could sit here and regret some of the things I said to him. But, you know, my mom was like, he knows you loved him. He knows that. And I just, I guess I wish that my grandmother and my grandfather could have seen me more relaxed, more cheerful, more positive, and, and, and more successful in my life. And... um and then my mom says something to the effect of, well, they know that. Kind of offering that they know from the afterlife, right? And while I don't necessarily believe or know exactly what's going on there, I, I, put, I put it to bed. I said, yeah, they're my Obi-Wan. My grandparents are my Obi-Wan Kenobi. They come to me as a force ghost when it helped me. They're the, they're the angel on my shoulder when, I wanna, when I'm confused and want to know good from bad, from right, from wrong. And uh, they've just become my conscience and guide. And I could have lived with all that. I could have lived with all that. Like, But I didn't say anything really mean to him. I I didn't tell him to fuck off. Or I was just very curt with him because he was just a silly old man at that point. And I wish I had just sort of appreciated him more while he was there. But I was so busy working, so busy in college and school and uh, work and uh, my anxieties and my mental health problems that I feel like he just sort of passed in a blink. And one day he was there and one day he wasn't. And I had to get used to a whole new level of living without him there. And I think we all go through that in some capacity. A lot of people have lost a parent. I'm I'm scared. That is the focus of some of my most innermost fears is losing my mother, losing your parents. And so at the end of the day, I mean, I could sit here and kick kick dirt about how unfair life is, but I don't know. <clears throat> I'm at a point where spiritually I just, you come to terms with this stuff and you become a better person and it becomes your guiding light, you know? Yeah. And that was his whole point talking about that. Like you can choose to let that be the thing you focus on the rest of your life and have it turn you bitter and mm-hmm. you can't ever give up on it. 
or yeah. you can choose to know that that's part of your past and that's helped shape you and you take the good from it. And that's exactly move on. it. Yeah. And it just makes me think about the whole situation that we just recently went through with all these people. And yeah, I wanted to the, talk about that. It's yeah, a good point. One person in particular whose <clears throat> boyfriend committed suicide years ago. Yeah. She, not that she needs Awful. to forget it. No, no, no. We but don't, we don't that's for- what she continues to focus on day after day. And she focuses uh, on her depression and she doesn't. She leans from it into her it. depression yeah. and uses it as a scapegoat for poor behavior and for a lack of growth. Yeah. Rather than learning and growing from it, because you went through the same thing. And yeah. if I had to sh- look at your progress versus her progress, mm-hmm. I don't think that the nature of their deaths were much different. They both committed suicide, just that your boyfriend committed suicide through drug overdose. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And And his through something else. Yeah. And it was horrible and tragic and it sucked. And to this day, but to this day, why aren't you worthy of happiness and compassion from these group, this group of people? Exactly. Yeah. She deserves all the compassion, but you don't. You guys went through a very similar thing. Because she can't move on and and the pity. She's broken. Therefore, we should coddle her. Yeah. Exactly. And maybe, Instead of because I, you know, I went through the same thing, but I've I've grown from it. You know, you you focus yeah. on the good things of what that well, relationship yeah. had, and you learn from that, and you move on, and you don't. For, it doesn't make you forget it, but right. you don't focus on well, that because it makes you bitter and depressed and angry. And, and the reason why we met on Match dot com was because of uh, both of us were in a really dark place trying to get out of a hole. Mine yeah. was just what I told you, the the, the the depression, the anxiety, the panic disorder. Uh, then I got a job at the Army Post, making good money. And then we met sort of at the rebirth of a new era for myself, post-grandma and grandpa, post-girlfriend, uh, trying to dig myself out of a hole. And why we think relationships are somehow going to fix that, I don't know. But I think we just... You know, we're trying to move on. We're trying to start a new chapter. Yeah. And uh, that leads me to the next episode. We're going to talk about relationships. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're going to talk all about relationships on the next episode. Um, but what do you think, um, you know, because I feel like grief, trauma, the burdens that we're all bearing, our, our collective hypersensitivity. I am an empath. I feel way too much. And I, sometimes it informs my thinking. Sometimes it informs my decision making. Uh, but sometimes it informs my anxieties and my depressions as well, because you get this feeling that the world is less feeling, that the world is less compassionate, that the world has become soulless in some regards. And so what would you say um, we can do to find the heart and soul that's lacking in our culture and times? That's a tough one because it is not really prevalent. Um, you just have to try to focus on what you know is good and what you know is real and filter out the bullshit somehow. Yeah, well, and I think that goes back to what the sad guru is saying, is that once you realize that your reaction to everything is a choice, you can train your mind to not react to everything that you deem as negative. Quit assigning negative positive. Quit um, obsessing on the negative. And start thinking about your own life and your own future and your own fortunes 
And uh, while, you know, because like I've talked about this, I've said that on the one hand, I'm learning to appreciate the little things. But on the other hand, I have a restless spirit. And my restlessness just makes me climb out of my own skin, wanting more from life, wanting more out of our leaders, wanting more uh, clarity and purpose in our culture, wanting uh, less divisiveness and hate, and wanting more opportunities. We're just not living in a society where there's a middle class anymore. And so I grow so restless for change that it makes me crazy. And so what can we do, do you think, to sort of appreciate the little things while sort of combating our inner restless child? It's definitely difficult because, like we've talked about before, it's easy to fall into the depression. It's like an old shoe and you're, it's, it's not fun, but it's comfortable. Yeah. And it's hard to drag yourself out well, and focus on the good things. Well, and- let me tell you about my depression because I used to get angry from depression, frustrated. See, I think men, it's not, it's sometimes it's just psychological, but sometimes it's physiological, where I think men are trained to not cry. And so when I get upset, it takes a whole lot to make me cry. Not because I'm trying to hide it, not because I'm trying to hold back the tears, but because my depression manifests as anger and frustration rather than sadness or crying, right? Mine's Some, cranky sometimes. Right, so, right. Yeah, I so, get it. And that's exactly what mine is, is mm-hmm. crankiness, right? Um, and, and I've noticed that my depression, it's, it's like it sets up camp, but, I'm, but, be, but before you know it, it's putting out the fire, it's pulling up the stakes, and it's going and trekking forward. And it doesn't stay as long. And I tend to, it's not as intense, it's not as unhinged, it's not as pervasive, and it, it's it's lessening in quality and lessening in quantity, where it feels like I've been able to incorporate my depression into the totality of who I am, so that if I'm having a depressive day, I don't let it stop what I'm doing. It doesn't cause life yeah, paralysis. Because you, it helps, which I think we've both learned, is you recognize it, yeah. but you don't fall into it. Right. And you don't try to push it away because that just makes it try to come back stronger. You just recognize it's there, let yourself feel it, but don't get into the abyss of it. Right. Well, that's what the sad guru was saying is that a lot of people, um, I've talked about it. I've done entire episodes about toxic positivity. We're not talking about normal positivity, but, but if you are so positive that you can't talk about anything real, you might be whitewashing and sugarcoating life in such a way that one day... All these problems might catch up to you and have a cascade effect, a domino effect, where you might find yourself in a deeper hole than you realize because you thought you were processing your pain, but really you were just covering it up with a Band-Aid. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah. And it's a fine line, and it takes practice, and it takes awareness, and it's the whole reaction versus responsibility thing. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to kind of finish up here. I've got a few things here, and I just kind of want to get your reaction to your feelings to what I'm what I wrote. So, um, first of all, you know, sad stories. Nine eleven, disco was tragic, terrifying. No I'm kidding, <laughs> <laughs> but we've lived through a lot of terrible things, and um, uh, you know, I think we get better at handling life as we get older. I've learned that teenagers are very depressed and sullen. 
And then in your 20s, you really lean into your morose and, and, and frustration. And then they say, and there's even articles to back this, that science proves that as you reach middle age and older age, you sort of learn to accept yourself more. You sort of learn to accept the ways of the world more. And you really do become less peaks and valleys. You, you become more stable. What do you think that is? And, and, and what, do you, what can you say you've done to sort of stabi- to stabilize yourself from those? I mean, we didn't have a chance. We grew up in the 70s during gas shortages. And then the 80s came, was great. But then the 90s came and it was all about, you know, grunge scene. And it was all about sad rock and depressive rock and, you know, um, grunge and, and uh, Kurt Cobain killing himself, all this dark stuff. Um, we didn't stand a chance. Our music was all dark. So how did we sort of use our pain and our grief as a springboard for our passions? And then how do, how do, how do we, now that we're older, um, you know, process everything? There's a lot of grief there. Just, yeah, I think just experience and just kind of yeah. working through stuff. and Yes realizing what things are what are your thoughts on a therapy because i've gone to therapy a couple of times um it didn't work out for me and and i you know i hate to be arrogant about this i'm not trying to be arrogant but be smarter than your therapist i went to this therapist she was a lady and she was younger than me and she was nervous around me and i just was like you can't even help yourself out of a paper bag. How are you going to help me? Yeah, I've never found a good one either. But I think um, good therapy is good. Yeah, because I've had people tell me about therapists <clears throat> that they found that are just amazing. Find a good and they, connection, right? Yeah, because I've never keep had it. challenging. Just like doctors. If your healthcare provider you're not connecting with, keep looking. Don't yeah. give up. Yeah, exactly. You know, find I've, a therapist that's going to work for you and be your friend and confidant. Yeah, because I've never found one. The one really? that I've yeah. gone to have not told me anything that I hadn't already figured out myself. Yeah. So it's just, I, and <clears throat> I know some people do find great ones and they have a connection and they actually are really helped by it. But Well, you know who my best therapist is myself. I think this yeah. shit through rationally. I, I, I write down my emotions. Then I write down my realities and then I try to decipher which of this is subjective, which of this is objective. What's real? Mm-hmm. What isn't real? What's made up inside of me? And what is uh, objective reality? Yeah. I think at the end of the day, I mean, yes, we are living in loud, noisy, busy, overpopulated, overstimulating times. And it can really throw you for a loop. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, um, I don't have advice to give other than just like the sad guru says, Try to separate your inner life from your external life and try to be an observer of what's going on rather than a reactor of what's going on. You know, it's like George Carlin says, I just observe society. I get my popcorn and I just watch. And I learn not only from other people's mistakes, but like I said in the beginning, look for patterns. Look for patterns, you guys. Um, You will see that there's patterns both good and bad and things. And when you, you know, I, I think it's like spiritualists. They, they look for all these patterns and then they say, therefore, Mercury and the six planets in retrograde are fucking up my life. And I'm sorry. 
I am not trying to shit on other people's beliefs, but I think that Six Planets in Retrograde is absolutely, completely bullshit of what's going on in your own life and your own personal mental health. I mean, I guess, you know, like they say that the lunar cycle has turns people into lunatics when the when the moon is at its fullest and brightest it has uh, a pull on the tides and apparently that has some uh, effect on our moods and all that and um while i usually say that's horseshit there could be a little grain of truth to that working in pediatrics for 18 years i can tell you there is something to it yeah <laughs> it really what, is. and so if that's true then maybe the six planets in retrograde might have There's something some, i there could be some type of energy that <clears throat> is having some effect. It's really hard to say, but the full moon thing. It's just it's, something that's 600 trillion miles yeah, away. Come on. I know, but maybe <laughs> some of the calls we would get about kids during the during full moons. Like, we'd all look at each other after a, a rush of calls. Like, is it a full moon? And we'd look on the calendar. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I've noticed a little small correlation yeah. there. And mm-hmm. um, I don't crap on people who believe in astrology um i've learned you know i read astrology for fun and every once in a while i'm like boom you got me there you go other times it's just too generic to be taken seriously because what if you go down a horoscope and you go into sagittarius and you're an aries you'll find out every single one of those will apply to you because Mm -hmm. that's how they're written yeah exactly you know and while they can be fun uh i just Think, don't live your life based on what's in retrograde. Don't live your life based on all that. And I mean, unless it's fun for you. I mean, if it's fun, fine. Mm-hmm. But I just think that, uh, you know, I just, I think too many people put way too much stock in unscientific things. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes. And where do you draw that, the line? I mean, you can have fun and yeah. dabble, but. Well, sometimes with stuff like that, you find out that, oh, this is going to be happening, this is going to be happening. So you have that expectation in the back of your mind. So things are going to manifest because that's what your your subconscious is telling you. And it makes me wonder whether you're self sabotaging because in the back of your mind, you've said, oh, it tells me I'm going to have a bad day. Yeah. Oh, shit, I had a bad day. Yeah. Maybe we're interpreting it as a bad day. Maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe we're. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy where we're making it, it happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or, um, you know, because, um, you know, like take Wicca, for example. I am not a Wiccan, um, but I know a lot about it because I love all things spooky. And I've always said energy is intention. And so when your intention is to do something, that's what Wicca really is, is focusing on nature to produce an outcome, which is basically willing things to be through your consciousness same with voodoo so at the end of the day do i believe it 100 percent? no but i do believe energy is intention and so i yeah i keep an open mind to it all Mm -hmm. yeah for sure you know so earlier i was talking about having a restless spirit um mr sad guru said he was a very restless child he didn't believe in formal education because he didn't think that there was enough passion in it he didn't think there was enough relevance to the real world and i have to agree with that and um when he was talking about his childhood and his upbringing he talked about uh a a moment where he for the first time uh put himself into a meditative state he said that he would ditch school because he found it boring but he found life interesting. He found everything interesting mm-hmm. but school because school's interpretation of life was boring and dull, led by boring, dull people, right? <clears throat> and I find that very true in some A cases. A lot of cases, yeah. yeah. Um, but he, um, 
He was talking about he climbed a tree and he would go there and hang out from like 9.30 to 4.30 during school hours. And he said he for, it was the first time he uh, found himself in a transcendental spiritual state and that he uh, learned through time what, that what he was actually doing was a form of uh, meditation and yoga. And so he would sway in the trees, and it's called sway meditation. And it will lull you into a sense of not quite asleep, but not quite awake. You're somewhere in between. And uh, in this state, vast amounts of time can go by without your understanding. And it happened to me. And I remember when I was a young one, uh, where I could stare at something and have an hour go by in minutes. It also happened to me a little bit in my uh, early or my late teens, just before I went into the army. I was it was summer summer school, you know, or summer school was out, and I was I was staring at a calla lily, and I would water it, and I could sit there and watch it forever. Two three hours would go by, and I think that was also a part of my uh, not only depression, but it was also closely interwoven in being an empath and then he even talked about how he sort of through meditation and through uh, yoga was able to harness that restlessness and put it into something positive and that's what my exercise is that's what my my fitness is a an extension of my meditation and that's why when people talk about um well you got to do high interval you know high intensity interval training no thank you like when it gets yeah. too herky-jerky, then I, I get lulled out of my sense of meditation. And so when I'm doing my strength training, I do it low and slow. When I do my running, I do it low and slow. And then at the end of the week, if I want to challenge myself, maybe I'll do some high-interval training so that I can see where my actual fitness is. S- strength versus cardio. So when, you're doing, when you mix the strength and the cardio together, at the end of the day, you see what your total fitness is. But to always train that way, no. It take it. I know it. It it. They call that muscle confusion, where it confuses your muscles, but it also has mind confusion, and mind it's confusion kind of anxiety inducing. It is, and it yeah. also um, causes injury sometimes. Yeah, so we have to exactly. be careful about getting too herky jerky with our movements, mm-hmm. even though it's high intensity. It's also uh, I don't feel like you're in control entirely, yeah. and so you're not in control mentally. You're not in control physically, and it could lead to you know, possibly getting hurt. But my point is, more than that, is that it's a meditative state for me. You saw me yesterday. I worked out for two and a half hours, mm-hmm. and it felt like a half hour. Yeah. I really and, get into the zone. And you mentioned the whole, you know, the cow mm-hmm. lily thing, and I'm that way in nature, too. Like, yeah. especially, I remember years ago when I was at Yosemite one time, and just I just sat there just watching a waterfall. Right. And it wasn't that much time, but I can see how I could have sat there for hours and just been just drawn into it and into a meditative state. It's right. that way for me, too, with those things. Absolutely. So I think harnessing your restless spirit is about, it happens when you're young a lot because there's so much to see, so much to do. And then as you go through life, you see all these things and you start to realize that what was all the hullabaloo? What was all the, the big you know, excitement, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and, 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 and that's not to say that there aren't still fun, adventurous things we can do, but once you've got a lot of those things off your chest, you've experienced some exciting shit and you've had a few adventures, then you now look for what? 
consistency. Yeah. You want your days to sort of glide by. You don't need all this up and down craziness. Mm-hmm. You don't need all the herky jerky. You want no, low and slow wins the race energetically. Yeah. You know, so I think you're looking for uh, uh, constants, consistency. Um, And I think you gain that as you get older, don't you think? I think so. And yeah, when you get, at least for me, as I get older, like, it's just anxiety inducing when stuff is just go, 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 do this, do that, super fast pace. It's just, it, yeah, it, it It rattles your nerves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have written here mind, body, soul, nourishment every day. I have a checklist. Mind, check. Body, check. Soul, check. <clears throat> and if I don't check yeah. all those boxes, I'm missing out on something. So I, I read a book or an article, mind. I, I do a little fitness or activity, body. Soul, meditation or mindfulness. Or sometimes it's just my exercise. Or sometimes... Or- for me, doing a cross stitch or, or right, looking out the right. window and seeing the birds and the squirrel. Like, so long as it's long enough to, to end up at a baseline of yeah. comfort and ease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people carry their anxiety forward over time and they don't know how to let go and turn a corner. You have to lose your anxiety. Lose it. There yeah. it is. Oh, it's going that way now. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because yeah. I think a lot of people pull push into their torments rather than yeah. try to understand them and try to make friends with them. You might just find out that your anxieties are just restlessness or your anxieties are just physiological. Maybe you're just a physiologically nervous person and maybe your body is telling you eat less sugar or drink less coffee or take some theanine to smooth those nerves over. Or maybe it's telling you you're not getting enough sleep or maybe it's telling you that um, there's something lacking in your life that you need to explore. So that's what it's always about. Feel, feel, feel what you're feeling. Validate it. Talk about it. Live in it. Breathe, live, go through that. Don't hide from your anxieties. Don't hide from your depression. Experience it fully. And then make friends with it. And now, guess what? Now that you've stopped looking at it as a demon or a negative, You've stopped assigning blame, and now you have made friends with that thing, and no longer is it your enemy, it is your your comfort. <clears throat> My depression yeah. is comfortable. I love it. Mm-hmm. And then I'll rewatch movies. Just don't live there forever, yeah, right? Know exactly. how to go through it, experience it. Um, it is trying to do something spiritual in you. I really do believe that my depression is a spiritual depression. It is a situational depression. Um, If you have a chemical imbalance, A, sometimes you just can't get out of that and you might need medical treatment. But that's me. For a lot of people, sometimes it just helps to find why am I off? What's off here? And discover what's off about you. Maybe you need an experience that you haven't had. Maybe you need to meet a partner. Maybe you haven't had the right, maybe you're in the wrong job or maybe you're living in the wrong country or maybe, maybe, you know. Figure out who you are, what you want, and at the end of the day, once you scratch that itch, I think it gets easier to just feel more stable on a day-to-day basis. I still have depression and anxiety, but it's not so tormenting. It's not so scary. It used to be this, like, internal struggle from hell, and now it's just like, hey, Brian, hey, buddy, 
hey, and like, no, shut up, I'm doing something. <laughs> <laughs> it's whispering instead of yelling in my ear, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we said choose how experiences shape you going forward. What do you think that means? just means when you have depression or sadness or things that happen to you, learn from it. Well, and, 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 and process your grief. Yeah. Process definitely. the death. Don't say, oh, yeah, I've got it handled, but you never did the work to mm-hmm. handle it. Handle it. Yeah. Incorporate it into the totality of who you are. And that's why yeah. when we were going through that terrible, tragic thing with those ladies, the drama, you are not considering the source. You are not considering the tragedy that has been my life. I'm sensitive. I'm kind. I'm gentle. I'm decent. But... This world will tear you a new asshole if you don't stand up for yourself. So that's all I was saying. Mm -hmm. When you're giving people shit back, you're giving it back not to cause problems, not to stir the pot, not to create or exacerbate drama. You're doing it as a symbolic gesture towards understanding your own sense of worth. Yeah. And, And if you can be mature and take the high road, do so. But to give back once in a while, is only proof that you, we don't deserve to be mistreated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Give it back. Yeah. So we've only got a few minutes left, but I just want to finish up this list. I've got the battle of too much stuff out there. Trust and life paralysis. It's hard to know who to trust. It's hard to find our heroes. It's hard to trust what's legitimate and what isn't. And so... With so much out there, especially if you're an empath or a sensitive, or especially if you're going through some kind of emotional um, journey, uh, too much stuff out there can cause life paralysis where you just go, none of it for me, thanks, and you abstain from life. Yeah. So how can you pick and choose what's good for you? What? How can you pick and choose millions of channels, millions of streaming services, millions of friends, millions of people in the world How do we choose what's good for us, and how do we keep our life small despite the inherent bigness of it all? Part of it is realizing that you don't have to watch everything, do everything. There's so many people like, you have to watch this, you have to do this, you have to do this. No, you don't. A forever and never-ending to-do list that's not important to your happiness. Exactly. If I miss Hawkeye, oh fucking well. Yeah. Exactly. It got so you, canceled anyway. <laughs> you kind of have to, so you have to filter it. You'd have to first off just kind of, okay, this doesn't interest me. It's done. It's and you, gone. It's out of my mind. And you know what you have to do is you got to get out of the habit of feeling like you have to keeping keep up with the Joneses. The whole thing. Well, if I don't whole, watch this, I won't be able to talk about it at work. Yeah. It's, so? it, yeah. And <laughs> in the makeup community, I mean, it's a, it's a, a slogan everywhere, but FOMO, fear of missing out. Yeah. And it's a big thing. Not should go back to makeup, but like, you know, all these new palettes coming out, all these new releases, like you're like, Oh, I have to get it. I have to get it. I have to get it. And you have this fear of missing out on everything. Right. You know what? You're not going to be able to get everything, experience everything. So just focus on what's actually interesting to you. Well, yeah, I get that with hi-fi because I love stereo equipment and I love Mm -hmm. headphones and I love speakers and, but I don't have a ton of money. And so all the time I'm like, Oh, this speaker's on sale. You don't need that speaker, Brian. You're not, you've got your sound system where you want it and be Mm -hmm. comfortable and happy with not only what you have, but what you are. Yep. And so when I work out, I don't work out going, oh gosh, I I have to look like this guy by the end. No, I have to feel good. I have to have good mental health 
And anything I do towards that is going to look and feel better than it was before. And so I'm not measuring myself against bodybuilders. I'm measuring myself against my own flexibility, my own health, my own happiness, my own leisure, my own sense of relaxation and calm. That's what I Yeah, and pay how attention to how doing something makes mm-hmm. you feel. Because if you're watching something because everybody tells you you have to watch it, but you're feeling stressed about it or anxiety about it, then that's not what you need to be doing. Just right. Let it go. Just stop well, that's let it like go. with us with the paranormal. Now, we love the paranormal most of the time, but if you're watching something that's hitting too close to home or something's just, you know, unnerving you, true crime, something's reminding you of a death or something's reminding you of the scariness of the world or how creepy people can be. Well, then go watch something else. Yeah, exactly. Change the channel. Because there's there's yeah. so many people that will try to push things on you. Right. Like, I know most of my mm. friends don't like horror. So, I'm not, even if it's a great horror movie, I'm not going to push it on them and tell them they have to watch it. Because- well, that's like my friend Craig. He's, he's a, he used to be a musician. He used to be a drummer. And he never got into heavy metal. And he never got into um, some of the movies and things that I would expect him to like. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but. That's Craig. That's him. He doesn't like horror movies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you have to realize that for other people and you have to realize it for each their own. And apply it to yourself too. So Absolutely. Um so I wanna, you know, kind of catch up on part of my life malaise, sort of the the repetition and the mundanity, the mediocrity of regular living, is we're all looking for answers. We're all looking for our ship to come in, and sometimes it doesn't, but sometimes we're just looking for Someone to emulate. We're looking for our heroes. Mine used to be Arnold Schwarzenegger until I became a Republican. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but he's one of the good ones. But yeah. my point simply is, is that as you get older, um, I'm not looking so much for heroes like action heroes or looking for, I'm looking for people that we can celebrate that make the world feel like a kinder, gentler pa- place. For me, Patrick Stewart. I love that guy. It makes me feel like knowing he exists makes me feel the world's a better place. Now, Mm -hmm. but then all our heroes are dying. So my point is, is where have all the heroes gone? And that's why I I went towards looking for someone like a yogi is because there aren't a whole lot of people, I hate to say this, smarter and better than me. I think our society is becoming wayward and our culture is becoming sort of crafty and manipulating and so at the end of the day i don't find a whole lot of comfort in our heroes out there anymore i don't like the new music sorry um if it was better than the old stuff i think we would know it by now yeah if it you know and it's and so the world's starting to feel more soulless the world's starting to feel more um it's like it's trying too hard to be edgy and cool but it's not trying to show any relatability and I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I'm not trying to crap on today's music. If you like today's music, hey, it's fun to spank, spank the planks to, but it doesn't resonate with me on a soul level, on yeah, a spiritual level. Exactly. And that's why I'm like, where did rock and roll music go? You know? Yeah. But that's just to each their own, of course. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying, where did our heroes go and how do we find uh, hope when... Nine-tenths of our people we admire are celebrities and they're wealthy. Well, of course they have good attitudes. They're wealthy. So how do we get into a mindset of finding hope, finding our spiritual leaders uh, in a way where we don't have animosity? 
I don't know. <laughs> I really don't, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> I don't have no, an answer but I to mean, that one. Yeah, but, I, but that's my point is that, um, you know, NBA players are not supposed to necessarily be our children's idols. Yeah. Doing coke, fucking a bunch of ladies out on the road. They're just men. And men are imperfect. And so, um, where you get your leaders from, I mean, I admire Tupac. Think he was a cool dude, learned how to be peaceful in a gangster life. Uh, I love lots of people. Um, I still follow Snoop Dogg because he's always posting shit about, like, like the hood and hood rat life (laughs) and all the craziness that ensues. Yeah. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But at the end of the day, I mean, my point is, is that... um, you know, where have all our heroes gone? I mean, we don't have our political heroes, really. And then the people who are so, supposed to be our white knights, like Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, I like Beto O'Rourke, but he's not a nicer person than me. He's not a smarter person than me, but I'm glad he exists because hopefully he can clean out and sweep out some of the corruption in that right-wing Republican stranglehold in Texas. Start solving problems, mm-hmm. so solving the gun problem there, Yeah, all the mass shootings. So I like him, and I'm glad he exists, but at my age, I don't look up to people anymore because they're all younger than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> so, I mean, I have to look to people that are ancient. <laughs> but I'm just saying, though, if um, how do we know that the world's still a good place when there's so many dysfunctional things going on out there in our world how do we you know how do we see the the functionality inside the greater juggernaut of dysfunction yeah you just have to try to find it and when you yeah. find it just just concentrate on it like the last couple of days at work were absolute shit show and there's so much bad stuff going on but then you just kind of look at your coworker and you laugh it off and you tell a funny story about something else and and you switch gears yeah just learn to switch gears you guys yeah yeah um i'm almost done here uh finding people to fill out your life without filling up your life with problems i've always told you guys live a small life live a quiet life the more people i add to my life the more problems mo people mo problems and it's not against people it's against Every once in a while, the wrong ones sneak in, and before you know it, you let a sociopath in your life, and now they're gumming up the fucking works, and now you got to excise them from your life, and then they're coming and getting past your filter, and they're, what? They're living rent-free in your head, and so you have to learn to, to vet people and to bring the right people and the right things into your life. Yeah. How do we do that? Trial and error. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no perfect solution. Yeah. That's why we don't come off like perfect gurus. Yes, we probably have our life mastered just as much as some of these, uh, you know, online uh, gurus, these online, these online influencers. Everybody's trying to um, come with their A game and pretend they got life so figured out. I'll bet you if you took all these empaths. And all these YouTubers and all these people and really sat down with them, you would probably find out that their lives and their minds are a bag of cats. Chaotic. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so don't take advice from bad people. Don't take advice from people who are probably more screwed up than you. Yeah. 
at the end of the day, be discerning. Yeah, take everything with a grain of salt. Right. Mm -hmm. So we've just got a couple minutes left, but I wanted to end the show on mind, body, and soul. What it boils down to is that, you know, the guru was saying uh, uh, that he was saying that, um, that, you know, once a cat or a dog or a pet is fed, um, that's where happiness ends. They're, they're, they're satisfied. Uh, he says that with people, once we're fed, that's where all the problems begin. Because there's so much more to contend with as a human being. We're such complex creatures. We have such humongous brains that our mind, body, and soul has to be in a constant state of fighting to find balance. And so uh, I guess what I would like to end the show on is, you know, just kitchen table advice on what do you think regular people who are looking for clarity, looking for soul, looking for spiritual nutrition in a largely empty calorie society, where do we find our heart and soul? Where do we find the spiritual calories in a world full of fluff and nonsense? Yeah, you have to be mindful about all the media and stuff that you consume. Mm -hmm. It's so easy to just get into a habit of just mindlessly scrolling and scrolling. You need to be careful about be careful what, what you consume, looking. yeah, mm-hmm. and that would be uh, what you consume in uh, the social media sphere. What you consume in podcasting, there's going to be good and bad people, a lot, lot of good people, but you know, really be careful of who you follow, and you know, because there's a lot of people out there who claim to be influencers. To me, just come off like lunatics, wanting to get everybody to be as angry and hateful as them. Like, I see you're going through a process, but why are you carrying me with you? I don't want to go on your trip. Go on your own trip, fucker. Yeah. So if you're (laughs) in the middle of something like that and you realize it's not resonating or it's not speaking to you, turn it off. You don't have to finish listening. Well, yeah, even my show. I mean, if we're not resonating with you, hey, turn it off. I ain't getting paid for this shit anyway. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is, is, yeah, at the end of the day, we do this because we have a a real desire to connect with people because we have gotten to a point of moral, ethical, emotional consistency. But it every day is a new challenge. Some days I'm in the red, my mental health. Other days I'm in the yellow. Today I'm in the green. I'm doing really good. And I think that is because of a combination of things, of, of checking all the boxes of mind, body, and soul. Yesterday I had a great workout. I'm getting enough sleep. I'm taking my apple cider vinegar and my fiber, and uh, that's lowering my blood sugar. Uh, and I just do little things every day toward my health. When I eat like shit, I modify how much I eat. I ate pizza for four days in a row. I'm not <laughs> proud of it. It had veggies on it. But it had veggies on it, <laughs> and I stopped at two pieces. I didn't eat five pieces. Exactly. You know, and so that's the thing is you got to let yourself off the hook sometimes. You know, um, life is incremental. You're not going to get buff after one workout. You're not going to become a mental um, or spiritual guru in a single day. And Sad Guru talks about that. He's like, it took you a lifetime to get here with these problems. It's going to take you a little bit of time to get out of these problems. So assess your problems, assess the people in your life, assess exactly what it is that's really getting at you. And then ask yourself, is it fair that I feel that way? Am I being unfair to somebody else? 
Or is that person really that bad in my life? Or is it just that this person is good and they mean well, but I don't really need them, you know, co-piloting my emotions all day? Maybe I just mm-hmm. need to set up boundaries. Yeah. Or maybe I need to cut these people out of my life entirely. Or maybe I got to get out of certain uh, makeup groups or certain groups where everybody's being hateful and scornful. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, it, you can't elevate if you have blinders on or if you have weights on your feet. You can't soar when you have other people dragging you down. And so what would be your best advice for people who are just surrounded by friends that they grew up with and they're trying to set boundaries and they're trying to do their own thing and everybody's maturing at their own uh, rate and everything and you're trying to fly, you're way up here, your friends are still drinking and getting drunk and sleeping with dudes and carrying on or, or women. You know, I assume I'm talking to women, but I could be talking to men too here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What do we do when we're maturing faster than our friends and mates and we're trying to live this life? We've got this restless spirit and we're just trying to find salvation in this life that's not going to last forever. Yeah, it's you're always growing up being told how it's so horrible to be selfish and you have to be selfless. Well, sometimes it's okay to be selfish. Well, setting up boundaries. I think you can be selfless and selfish. Yeah, you can. But at the same time, I always say, uh, put on your own oxygen mask before you put on your child's. And that's just an analogy to say, you can't take care of others if you can't take care of yourself first. Yeah. Make sure you're whole and complete, then check on others. Mm -hmm. And like you said, when it comes to old friends and things, if people aren't helping you, it's okay to say cut way back or even say goodbye. Yeah. It's okay. And yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, you don't owe anybody anything. You owe it to yourself to be happy. And however you got to get about it is, uh, is, is different for everyone. Um, I have an old saying that sometimes turning over a new leaf requires growing a brand new tree. And what that means is, is that, you might not be able to turn over a new leaf until you grow a whole new set of friends mm-hmm. or a whole new yeah. set of circumstances yeah. or live in a whole different area. So you, your problems might be so deep because it's the town you're living in or it's the country you're living in or it's the circumstances you're living in or living with. And so at the end of the day, only you can decide what to cut out and what to put back in. But at the end of the day, I mean, think about your mind, think about your body, think about your soul and really do just sort of assess are these people really so bad or do I just need to set up boundaries? Mm-hmm. Don't don't assume everybody's toxic yet. Maybe they just got some growing to do. You know, like like my friend Roger on the last episode. I talked about Roger cutting ties with me. I wasn't toxic for Roger. Roger is toxic for Roger. Yeah. He's cutting ties with people who he thinks is having a stranglehold on his progress. But in reality, I was rooting for him. Yeah, And so don't always assume that everyone's not on your side. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we do have to set boundaries and we do really have to every day, mind, body, soul, check, check, check. And if your mind's in a bad place, I do know as an empath, uh, a lot of people need days to recenter. So just take the time. Maybe you need to take a day off from your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Maybe you need to take a day off from your family. Maybe you need to take a day off to yourself so that you can just wade in your life and just not think about anything. And then before you know it, you take enough time to yourself, you will start to, oh, 
figure things out for yourself. Sometimes we just, you know, we need to take days off from each other and take days off from our lives. Hell, if you got to call in sick once in a while just for a mental health day, I say do it. It's better than going to work and losing your shit on people. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, good job, babe. Um, is there anything else to talk about on this subject? I think we've covered a whole lot. Yeah, well, I just want to end with one last thing. What do you think Sad Guru is talking about in this inner engineering? What is at the end? Because we haven't got, we've gotten to the what. Mm-hmm. We're not got, we haven't yet yeah. got to the how. Yeah. So we might be able to catch you guys up on that later. Mm-hmm. But we've found out what it is society is and what we have to be in that society, which is to say, we have to be able to separate our inner life from our external life. And we have to look at the life around us as not being reactive to it, but being the, I've said it before, the eye of the storm, being the calm in the center of the storm. Yeah. The How whole do, reaction versus responsibility thing just really resonates, really resonates with me. So yeah. it's, it, I'm going to definitely keep that in mind moving forward. And it's going to help me with a lot of things, I think. Yeah, yeah, and I agree. And every time you feel like you're getting, your mental health is going to shit because of something external in your life, well, assess what you watch. Assess the, the people you, that are in your life. Assess, maybe you can change the subject. And hey, you know, I'm going through a depressive funk or I'm going through a spiritual malaise. Hey, can we talk about this for a second? I need your help. Yeah. Change the subject. Um, get on the right path. Um, uh, it's not always about getting rid of friends or getting rid of bad things in your life, although that might be the case. Sometimes it's just a matter of adjustment. Yeah, for sure. You know? Take a step back and look at things in a different way and absolutely so you guys thank you very much for joining us if you want to tip us for our good work we've got a patreon we've got uh that's at chef bright comedy we've got tip jars on my link tree that is uh www.linktree forward slash chef bright comedy all the links are there uh but two three bucks we're trying to grow to get sponsors and once we have sponsors this is going to be terrific but we're doing this virtually free. And some days, yeah, I decide, you know what? Fuck it. I'm not doing cryptids. I'm not getting paid for this. And yeah. so I got to make this show work for me and my audience. And though, so that's what I try to do. Yeah. Try to make it meaningful every day. And if you got to sort of change the itinerary to suit your mood, to suit your needs, then that's what you do. Yeah. In podcasting and in life. That's right. That's right. So thank you guys. But if you can uh, tip, a couple bucks here and there. Uh, go on my Patreon for $3. You'll get a mug after your third uh, donation of $3. You'll get a little Surviving Empathy mug. What's what's up with that? And and I'm not big into merch yet. This is all pretty new to me, but I want to start a merch shop. I want to kind of get things moving because I want to be a tribe. I want to help people. And I want people to help me because I'm helping them. And that's what it's about. Yeah, Like the Amish. Help each other exactly. out. Yep. You can't raise a barn by yourself. You got to have friends to do it with. But you got to have people in your life that you can trust. And that's what it's all about. Building up the trust and basically deleting all the things from your life that aren't helping. Yep. Well, thank you, baby. Welcome. I will see you next time. <laughs> yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> right. Thanks, you guys. We Bye. love you. Bye-bye. Bye.